And a sense of belonging in order to thrive is essential. Barrier there to limit the accessibility to the resources. A limited amount of resources in an area, so say for affordable housing, is there enough doctors in some of our more rural areas to make sure that progress is happening, that you're monitoring, you know, some areas where things are really looking good and maybe areas that they need a little more support on. Put those supports forward for the family and the individuals. Poverty is a risk factor for neglect, but poverty does not equate neglect. So poverty alone does not mean that a child is unsafe, unloved, or that families lack the capacity to care for the child. This is Michelle Lamb from Leaning In and Speaking Out, a podcast hosted by Brandon University's CARES Research Centre. This podcast is part of a special series on social justice in education, conducted by students in Gustavo Mora's class called Schools as Complex Spaces. Jackie and I would like to extend our heartfelt thanks to Gustavo, his students and their guests who are having crucial conversations about what it means to educate within contexts like the climate crisis, racism, addictions and more. Thank you and enjoy the show. Hello to everyone listening to today's episode. My name is Justin Newfeld, and I have my co-host here with me, Dana Pratt. The discussion that we'll be having today will be covering the topic of CFS and how it affects those within the system. We are fortunate enough to be joined here by Jennifer Kalarek, who has worked very closely alongside CFS. First, I would just like to say thank you, Jen, for taking the time to sit down with us and answer some of our questions. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. If you wouldn't mind, um, would you give the listeners a little glimpse of your background? Absolutely. So I currently do contract services right now. So implementing community and social development within the Parkland region. I work with families, communities, organizations, governments, groups, and individuals. I have worked alongside uh, Department of Families as um, a tenant services coordinator for housing, uh, as well as a purchase service agreement for the abilities uh, sector. Um, working with vulnerable persons, um, I, some of my past and present board involvements have been Brandon Healthy Families Team, Community Living Brandon, uh, Brandon Affordable Housing, as well as the BEAT program, the Manitoba Harm Reduction Network, uh, Dauphin Community Coalition and Homelessness Initiative, Families First Manitoba, uh, United Way, Habitat for Humanity, and Aboriginal Community Development Advisory Board. So that's a little snapshot of my background and who I am. Perfect. Thank you for that. So you're obviously more than qualified to be answering our questions. Um, I'll let Dana start off with our first question. Um, Our first question we have for you is how does poverty or CFS affect a child's readiness for school, jobs, life, etc.? Okay. So looking at that question holistically, I'm going to focus on and take into consideration the developmental domains. So those include the physical, social, emotional, linguistic, and cognitive. So development and learning are reflected in both the child's child's biological characteristics and their environment. So each domain supports and is supported by the other. And when changes happen in one domain, it's going to affect the other areas. So there are general progressions of development that we see and milestones that we monitor. And there are several factors um, that impact these, such as, you know, the environment, experiences, culture, 
and individual differences. Um, children, as we know, are active learners. They are constantly taking in information to create meaning, um, their relationships, interactions, their environment and overall experiences. So children's motivation to learn is increased when their environment brings a sense of belonging and purpose and connecting those experiences in their learning environment to their home and community settings as well. And to children, a sense of belonging in order to thrive is essential. So development advances greatly when opportunities are there, um, when they can acquire those opportunities, when they can practice new skills and experiences. So in looking at terms of those domains, poverty can definitely play a factor. And as I had mentioned, they support and affect each other. That is a good answer. So you're, you're saying anything, any one of those things can connect to the other. So it's like a absolutely. domino effect. If one thing is in jeopardy, the rest will be in jeopardy. Right. Absolutely. Okay. Um, so how do you think, because you were talking about kids' um, self-esteem and their um, cognitive and things like that. So how do you think that child involvement in CFX affects their self-esteem and their self-worth, like their purpose and things like that? Right. I think, you know, there's a stigma that comes with that involvement. Um, kids, when they develop and when they take in those interactions, their experiences are different from those around them. They're going to have different factors that they're focused on that might be taking away from some of the confidence and readiness for other stages in their life. So when a child has stressors that they have to focus on instead of, you know, what the average child looks at day to day, it's definitely going to impact their readiness, how they see themselves as an individual, how they see themselves as fitting into that community and community and relationship being from, you know, the family to the child and family services um, community to the classroom to personal relationships like friendships, family, and so on. Um, so sort of a follow-up question. Do you think that um, a child, say a single child growing up within the system is going to be more isolated because of it? You know, there's no one cut and dry um, situation to refer to, but the possibility definitely is there. Um, I touch a little bit further on in some of the questions about some of the immediate effects and long-term effects from a child that's coming into treatment, coming from, you know, maltreatment. Uh, so coming into the Child and Family Services Authority, there is going to be withdrawn. They might be um, more I isolating themselves. There's a lack of trust, a lack of ability to connect there. So that definitely affects those relationships and the readiness and preparedness and, you know, what they put into or able to put into those relationships. Absolutely. Um, so what would you say that are some strategies that would be um, a way to move away from the stigma that children in the system um, are different from other children or right. regular children? Um, or Yeah, um, you know, really looking at the diversity of everybody in every family, there's no real normal or regular. Everyone has, you know, barriers or struggles or successes that they bring with them. And I think, you know, making sure that we are celebrating those successes, highlighting um, 
all the positives as well, making sure that there are supports and resources readily available that, um, you know, we're not pointing out or looking at the stigmas, but we're in turn looking at that as a way to continue or to bring ongoing success. Like it's not um, a negative that you're in with a child and family services authority, but here are the positives that come with that. You have, you know, this great support system around you, different resources and things to help you along the way, stepping stones to bring you to whatever you envision for yourself. Yeah, it's definitely really important to acknowledge the little wins. Mm-hmm. I'll let you Absolutely. ask the next one, Dana. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good answer of, um, of what you answered there. It's a, I like the supports and stuff that uh, a lot of organizations do bring for young ones as well. I Absolutely. see a lot of recreational uh, sports and stuff like that too for young ones that are covered and it's, it's a good idea. It's a good empowerment. Absolutely. Yeah, oh, for sure. Empowerment is huge. Yeah. So our next question we have for you is, how does CFS support families in care in regards to the resources that should be provided? Okay. So looking at resources that should be provided and that are provided, um, I'm going to point out that Manitoba offers a number of resources, starting with um, from expecting moms all the way on um, up to adulthood and early adulthood. And not just child and family services, but looking at um, the level of, you know, health authorities, government, uh, community level. Um, there's different programs, support programs, financial programs, ed- educational monitoring, housing, cultural, crisis, nutritional, there's just a wide, such a wealth of resources and programs and supports out there. So CFS really takes a family-centered approach to working with families and the youth and enable for a worker to successfully conduct an assessment or case management or case planning. Workers really need to not only be skilled in communicating with the children, youth, and families, but also in strengthening the interpersonal communication, parenting and problem solving skills, as well as, you know, a wealth of knowledge and the availability of those resources and supports to the children, the family and the communities as a whole. So effective work with families and children and youth includes really engaging them, providing direct assistance with challenges, including things such as counseling, parent coaching, um, and ensuring that um, there's ongoing assessment of the family's strengths and needs to make sure that progress is happening, that you're monitoring, you know, some areas where things are really looking good and maybe areas that they need a little more support on and being able to identify those and um, put those supports forward for the family and the individuals. Okay, so like with that follow-up question, what are mm-hmm. some things that still need to be addressed, like in terms of getting to those resources? Like what else still needs to be addressed? Right. So in relation to um, poverty with the system or accessing resources, there's that possibility of a barrier there to limit the accessibility to the resources, um, a limited amount of resources in an area. So say for affordable housing, um, is there enough doctors? In some of our more rural areas, are people able to get to and access some of the supports they need, like counseling or educational? Is there internet? Like there's all sorts of barriers that can come with this as well. So 
there's a lot to consider when, you know, looking at resources and being able to obtain them as a whole. I guess, I guess in a time uh, stand as well really affects mm-hmm. like, the journey of it as well. Absolutely. The times, yeah, it could take months or like, you know, a year or something. Absolutely. So it, I mean, anything that I've ever heard about CFS, it definitely has a bit of a bad rap. And it is also known to be government run. Do do you think or what are the limitations of CFS, given that it is a government run organization? Like, do you think it could run differently if it wasn't government run? Or like, what do you think the pros and cons are there? Right. Well, I'm going to approach this one by saying um, that CFS is insured. Um, is in place to ensure that families and communities are providing safety and well-being for children. And one of the ways that this is done is by ensuring that several provincial laws are in place and adhered to. And there's really three main ones that they really uh, enforce and abide by. And that's the Child and Family Services Act, the Child and Family Services Authority Act, and the Adoption Act. So when a child or family is needing services, the authority determination process is used to identify which authority will oversee those services based on uh, values that um, encompass all families have a right to choose their authority. Services should meet cultural needs. Services be timely and reliable. Children, families, and communities belong together. And that's, you know, a huge one, trying to keep the family and the community and the child as whole and that relationship intact. So decisions are being made in the child's best interest. So looking at that, there are four authorities in Manitoba. So you have the Métis Child and Family Services Authority, First Nations of Southern Manitoba CFS Authority, First Nations of Northern Manitoba CFS Authority, and General CFS Authority. And under each of those, there are several branches. So, you know, looking at it from the government standpoint, being able to have those laws that are upheld and being able to monitor them, Uh, being able to have the authority determination process and so many options that you can tailor what services work best with the family and the community and the individual as a whole. Whereas, you know, coming from a private sector standpoint or a non-for-profit, you may not have those resources that support for ongoing. Um, So I think when looking at CFS as a whole, I see it as more than just kind of like the community look, community-centered, family-centered model. It's not just child and family services. There's, you know, the other organizations, the health authority, different sectors that all work together and provide resources and supports for that family, the child and community level. So, you know, it's not just the government as in Child and Family Services Authority, I think there's so many other pieces that come into play to make that as successful as can be. Of course, there's going to be, you know, a lot of spotlight on any negative happenings and those things that impact negatively. But I think in the long run, looking at, you know, those fail safes that are in place that are being able to be monitored and assured in a huge deal is, you know, a great thing in the long run. Yes, that's definitely one of the negatives of media. Um, as I'm mm-hmm. not, I don't know anyone like directly within uh, CFS, so I only will ever see the negatives, the negative part of it. Right. Which is why I'm super right. excited to be sitting with you because now right. I learned right. so much about it. 
Well, and with the confidentiality um, act as well, it's not like we can highlight and success the successful moments and the, those aha moments. Like this is really reinforcing why we do what we do. And I'm going to point out again that I don't work directly with child and family services, but it's just my work alongside that I've been able to see and interact. And you know, I've seen the negative media effect. And absolutely. Um, and how? Do you think, um, how can government policies attend families' specific needs? Um, I think that's where looking at the determination process and the other organizations that work in partnership, because there is no one cut situation for every any family or any youth or community. So it's working in partnership with that community, with that family, with other organizations that are there to really support and provide the resources to tailor um, a plan for the best possible outcome for that individual and that family. Yeah, I guess as we covered earlier, each case is, can be so drastically different. Absolutely. Every individual has individual needs, and that's the same for communities and families and situational. Absolutely. I, I like how some of the uh, communities already have started to engage with um, expanding their services also for Absolutely. like say if there's on reserve and now there's off reserve. Absolutely. Uh, like a, yeah and I, I like that as well because they both get the same um, I guess uh, resources from each facility. Uh, they have a lot of great activities for the children and stuff. Yeah, there's, you know, that's a really great point that, you know, there's so many more programs and resources being developed and being available and offered to the communities and the individuals and so many more opportunities to promote the positive change and to address the issues that are there in such, you know, a community-based way. It's it's great to see happening for sure. Okay, so if we're done with that question, we can move on to our next question. What means for CFS to be poverty-driven? What makes it poverty-driven? Okay, so for me to answer this question, I'm going to say that poverty is a risk factor for neglect, but poverty does not equate neglect. So poverty alone does not mean that a child is unsafe unloved or that families lack the capacity to care for the child or that families um, aren't able to or willing to. But poverty does make it more challenging for families to meet certain needs. So although Canada is considered a wealthy nation, child poverty definitely still exists. Children do have a lack of access to their basic needs and can live in unsafe environments. And that's, you know, just an unfortunate reality, um, half of the people living in poverty in Canada are under the age of 18, which is really alarming when you consider the stat that um, children make up one third of the world's population. So looking at that again from a statistical standpoint, in Canada, that is one in five children living in poverty. And, you know, the COVID pandemic has only worsened that reality for many families and children and individuals even at a community level. So more definitely needs to be done to address this issue, to ensure that children are living and have accessibility to safe, healthy homes and have the access, access and accessibility to, you know, basic needs and necessities. So, 
So it kind of touches back to what you were saying, Dana, about um, communities and how they're implementing more programs and, you know, at different levels and really identifying those needs and working with other organizations and liaisoning with community to ensure that these needs are being met for individuals and our children. Yeah, you see, um, I see one from a service here in Brandon. Um, mm-hmm. They actually provide, like, like what I said, all the resources for activities. Could be small activities like cooking. Like, you know, that's a basic skill that children right. can develop. Um, they got the well, for sure, the food hampers distribute, and it's and it's healthy food. Like they're they're distributing healthy food, like carrots, bananas. You know, it's really yeah, it's yeah. really good to see that for the for communities. They even have like you can get delivery even, so you don't even necessarily have to reach out to get resources. Actually, there to help yeah. you provide for you, and that's a that's a good empowerment oh, right sure. there. And in Brandon, you have um, the 7th Street Health Access Center that, you know, that's a mecca of resources. And if they don't have the resource there, they know where to direct you. And that's, you know, true for a lot of the other um, organizations, support and resource providers that, you know, I think we're really fortunate in Manitoba that from what I've experienced from the regions that I've been able to work in, um, is that that connectivity at the service provider level is really, um, there's good unity and good liaisoning there. So if an organization or um, a support provider doesn't have the resource that you may be needing as a family or an individual community, chances are that they're going to be able to refer you to the proper um, organization that can help support those needs. So we are all finished up with our questions. However, I did want to give you, Jen, an opportunity to ask us some questions if you had anything you would like to ask us. What are your, you've talked a little bit, Justin, about um, the media and how it's affected your views on this and that negative light that's kind of come from it. What um, has been your thoughts moving forward, looking into this topic, um, delving into some of the, you know, questions and doing your research? Is that view still the same or have you had more of a change on that outlook? Or um, Now, I, I try to keep a um, unbiased, like, opinion of CFS coming in. I try to just base it off of what the general public hears about CFS. Um, I also know a little bit more. My mom had taught at the Manitoba Youth Center and a lot of her students had been in the system or as soon as they got released were put back into the system. And sometimes it could be a fairly vicious cycle. However, it all started from a very, very young age. And that's the only life they knew and they there was a few of them that they changed the pattern they they got themselves out they got themselves amazing jobs they got themselves set up for success seeing and hearing um everything that you have to say today you definitely there's a lot more effort there than i think people don't understand or don't hear about and it's really good to hear that there's there's people like you and people that truly are trying to help these families and help these kids have a successful life. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. And Dana, how about yourself? What has your kind of views up until this point or interactions, if you don't mind my asking? Uh, I've had good experience with CFS. I've 
have a lot of family who are support workers okay and who work with cfs and are actually um it's actually out here with the dcfs my auntie was actually um ran the cfs okay. nice. it's really good like it, it was a good experience that way like i wasn't exactly involved with cfs with the case and stuff it was just right. that she knew where to get the resources from and that's right. what i liked and i looked at cfs differently at that time like three Absolutely. years back i thought that's that's really against people there like mm-hmm. even though you know they work a different kind of with cfs it's like they're really there for the resourcing absolutely i got involved with a couple of ladies for that support for what i needed with transportation (laughs) which is pretty hard to get for a single mom of three absolutely (laughs) at the time but yeah it is it was good and i think that's definitely something that a lot of people don't realize and it's really great for individuals to know that this Child and Family Services Authority isn't just there to be, you know, seen as the bad guys who come in and apprehend children or, you know, take families apart. There are so many resources and supports that are there for individuals who don't have a child um, within the system, you know, to reach out to a Child and Family Services Authority, even if you don't have a, you know, a support worker or a caseworker, there is a wealth of information and supports that they can provide to individuals. You know, you shouldn't be, um, as a parent or a family, you know, scared to reach out to Child and Family Services because you automatically assume, well, they're going to be watching me or there's, I'm putting my child at risk. Well, no, because, you know, the goal really is to keep the families together, to keep the individual with the families in their community and to build strong families, cohesive families and communities. So, you know, the goal is, is always that. And the aim is never to, you know, identify and just do these apprehensions. That's kind of a really looking at it as a last measure we you know the family keeping the family together is number one right so yeah there's a lot of severities uh degrees like you know people go like what we're talking about poverty like yeah they Mm -hmm. can be providing a home where there is some kind of neglect of the home maybe just the home's not stable enough I mean, we've right. seen some things on on the media, like what Jasmine says, negative, like about the housing and all that, and that all goes like right into you know with CFS too for stability for your children. Right, absolutely. Yeah. There's so many factors for sure, but you know the thing that doesn't get highlighted in the media is the amount of supports and resources that are there as well. It's not just about you know apprehending and dismantling it's about strengthening and cohesion and building yeah definitely because you see um even with the poverty there is there is um housing programs now absolutely yeah yeah and you know within the manitoba housing there is also you know rent aid programs there's all sorts of things that are out there that if um, you were to contact somebody working within, you know, any of those organizations, they'd be able to give you, you know, all sorts of information as to areas and places to look for assistance. Perfect. Well, I mean, I definitely learned a lot today and I think that is everything that we have for you, unless you have any other questions for us, Jen? I don't think so. 
So I thank you for having me and giving me the opportunity to speak. And it was great to meet and work with you guys. So thank you Absolutely. for that. Thank you for taking the time yes. again today. We really, really appreciate your insight. And thank you to those who tuned in and have a great day. You've been listening to Leaning In and Speaking Out, a Research Connection podcast from Brandon University. For more episodes or to learn more about the BU Cares Research Centre, please visit our website at bucares.ca or you can come find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, or anywhere you get your podcasts.